0: Debbie is our community educator. She's a support group facilitator, an early stage facilitator. Um, She is a nurse um, that is well-versed in the dementia and Alzheimer's community. And we're so lucky to have her and she will be leading the conversation today. Um, So thanks for joining us and I'll turn it over to Debbie. Thank you, Nicolette and Judy. Um, I am so happy to be here uh, and presenting to you all. Uh, It's one of the things that I do enjoy. I've been working with this population uh, probably six years now. I've been in different settings, assisted living, dedicated units, and Right before the pandemic hit, I was working in a daycare for people with dementia and Alzheimer's, uh, which I thought was a wonderful program. It's it so good for everybody. Um, so I can bring a lot of different perspectives to the topics that I'm talking about. Behaviors um, really is one of my favorite areas because a behavior is really communication. If someone is acting up in in a way that's not normal for a person, they're really trying to tell you something. And the key is trying to figure out what it is that they can't communicate in words, so it's coming out in different behaviors. So by the end of today we are going to understand what a trigger is and identify some of the common triggers and that means what set them off you know it had to come from somewhere and that's what a trigger is it will you will be able to explain the process for assessing and identifying challenging behaviors. You know, once we see a behavior, what exactly, if we can figure it out, set them off, and now what are we gonna do about it? And finally, list strategies to address common dementia-related behaviors. So what are we gonna do about it? That's what that uh, uh, whole, one of our goals for this program.
1: Debbie, um, I just want to interject and um, you share something that was shared with me, and I think it's
0: very profound. Okay. And this was from a, f- um, a person who had a family member with dementia. Mm-hmm. She kept this, you know, like in her person, in her wallet. It's um, the person that you're taking care of isn't giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. Exactly that is i've i've heard that uh, you know expression before and it it's so true you know it's like oh the you know this is their life they it's you know so confusing for them they are having you know you know they, <laughs> their life is a hard time so very good judy all right some ch- uh triggers you know the triggers remember is the types of things that set off a behavior, one of the most common things is pain. You know, people with dementia or Alzheimer's can't tell you, oh, I have a pain here, a pain here. They, they don't have that, those words anymore to express that. So how are we going to know? Well, look at their face. You know, is it happy smiling or grimacing? And, you know, that's, you know, that's something we look for. Overstimulation or boredom? We don't realize. And, you know, you try to have a family get together, birthday, whatever. And you think, oh, this is going to be great to have all these people, um, it, you know, And you know, with my loved one with dementia and Alzheimer's. And sometimes what happens, it's too much in that, you know, it's overstimulation, sounds from here and sounds from there and laughter from here. That becomes just too much to process. On the other hand, sometimes they're bored, you know, we haven't done anything and you know, one of the best things for a person with dimensional timers is to have a schedule not a, you know, not a big schedule, but simple, you know, you get up, oh, I have to get washed, I have to get dressed, I have to eat, uh, take a walk, you know, whatever it is that is, you know, they do all day long, you know, whatever you can do, a person, a loved one can do, you know, it's a routine people with Alzheimer's and dementia need a routine. It's very, very important. That was one of the things that did happen in the daycare is we had a routine and did the best we could and and we did most of the time we were able to follow it. And that's just, it's comforting for them. All right, fear or frustration? Now, we can you know express our fear, uh, our frustrations, but someone who does have dementia or Alzheimer's really can't find those words. So what are we going to look at? We're going to look at the face. You know there is a, a look on a face uh, if they're scared um, or frustrated. And you know, it really involves us really paying attention to what our loved one is doing so we have to be aware of that unfamiliar surroundings you know you say oh we're gonna go over here over here you know and it's not familiar anymore it could be a place they've gone to you know for dozens of years but it's now not familiar and that becomes fearful. And, you know, they kind of either withdraw, or they start with one of the behaviors. And finally, our last trigger is a complicated task. Now, we might not realize it's complicated, you know, but anything with more than a one step could become complicated for them. So, if you Planning to have lunch, you can't say, "Oh, I'm making a sandwich. Uh, I'm going. Do you want juice? Do you want soda? Do you want water?" And um, you know, grab a napkin and sit down. Too much. You know, we're having lunch now. You know, and come sit down. Break it apart. Too many things in 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 a direction. is too much for them. They they cannot process. Now, it's really important uh, to understand the steps that are involved in figuring out the behavior. We really have to be a detective. And so some of these steps include, well, let's look around. Let's see if we can figure out what is going on and connect it to the behavior that is being exhibited. So the first thing we want to do is, of course, address physical um, uh, needs first. Then we want to look at emotional needs. And then, of course, we want to reassess whatever it is that we've done. And if it worked, great. A little bit worked. And, you know, be ready for the next time. And so these are the steps that we will always apply to figuring out what the behavior is all about. So this detecting connect step, like I said, we are now detectors. So first thing we have to do, and you probably hear this a lot when we talk about dementia uh, people or people with Alzheimer's, is you have to get into their reality and you know it means forget that you know here you are and you know june 2021 like try to see what they are seeing you know the world through their eyes they're not seeing what you're seeing they might be back 10 years ago and looking at the world so try to join that person in how they're looking understand the the person's reality in context uh, before intervening. So remember the who, the what, the where, the when, and the how. You know, all of this together, you know, helps to assess and make a plan. Now, one thing that's really important, and you know, sometimes you know, spending a whole day and a frustrating day, it is hard to do this. But you must approach the person calmly and respectfully. Don't rush over there. Some of the behaviors we want to do that that scares a person and they're going to react calm, smile on your face, be respectful. I try never to raise my voice above this um, when dealing with a person that's exhibiting some behaviors. Um, Also, you know, don't rush them You know, if there looks like they're going to be violent, back away. You know, know, a distance. We've been distancing now for, what, 15 months? So socially distant with them, because if you go to approach them quickly, they're going to react. It's an act of defense. They don't know what you're going to do. So slow and calm and respectful. I mean, sometimes I'll pull up a chair and keep that distance. I'll talk softly, or well, maybe not talk at all. You know, they, uh, if you talk softly and they're yelling and shouting, sooner or later they have to stop because they can't hear you. Or well, just be quiet, wait till they calm down, you know, just you and them. And it does work, you know, the majority of time. Okay, the question if they're hard of hearing, all right? well, you're not gonna act, you're not gonna like rush them because you're trying to protect them or somebody else. Again, um, smile on the face is okay. Sit down, you don't have to say anything. Um, and wait till it's calmer. And then you'll know From just, you know, knowing them, how one normally deals with them. Um, But, you know, they can see you're not wild, you're not rushing them, you're keeping a nice, respectful difference. And whether you're talking to them or not talking to them, you're calm and it will calm them down. All right. And you're welcome. Okay, so in our assessment, in our uh, detective uh, experience, we're going to look at the physical needs first. And with most people that you're having, you know, uh, an association with, uh, you're going to know about medical issues. If they're a spouse, a loved one, uh, you're caring for someone. Um, you want to take a look physically at what you know is going on. Um, the other thing you want to look at is are they hungry? Are they thirsty? Now you know it's starting to get warm. You know, people do tend to be more thirsty and even more than that they actually need to drink water and they don't know that. You know they'll sit there all day and not drink water. If you ask them, oh, no. I used to ask uh, our, um, our people, and, oh, no, dear. You know, I, I don't need any water, and it's, you know, 90 degrees out there and humid. What I used to do is just, depending upon how many people were there, is take a nice tray, fill cups with water. I used to put in a little ice chip in it because they like their ice chips too and just go around and no choice here's a you know cup of water all my waters were gone how to get some more so you know they don't realize that they have to drink they don't realize that they're thirsty but we know that uh, one can become dehydrated very fast so sometimes you just figure out a way to do it also, um, lack of social interaction that was one of the big things I heard from families during this pandemic that you know they they spend a lot of time by themselves or just with the loved one. You know, there was no stimulation, there was nothing with other people. And, you know, the loved one can't entertain 24 hours a day. And from that, you know, all kinds of things, uh, different behaviors started. uh, um, It was was a terrible time for all of us and especially for our uh, our loved ones with dementia and Alzheimer's. And, uh, you know, so we really do want to look at those physical needs, look at the environment There were those couple of days, we've had a couple of couple of days with hot and humid Um, and, you know, be aware that they don't realize it, you know, they don't think they feel it, but it does affect everybody. And especially if they're wearing long sleeves outside, be aware and be careful. Now let's address emotional needs. And again, you'll probably hear this a lot too. Focus on feelings, not facts. Throw facts out the window. What are they feeling? You know, you're trying to um, figure out where are they? You know, they may not be where you are. You know, where is their, you know, thoughts are they from now? Probably not. You know, last year, 10 years, probably 20 years ago, um, at least. So, you know, you kind of have to, forget you, look through their eyes, what are they thinking, what are they seeing, and try to understand the behavior that way. Now, you want to use your knowledge of the person and know their preferences, know what they like, know what they used to like, what they do. Um, And that would help to come up with some interventions. And of course, and we say this all the time, redirect, redirect. That's another one of those key words. Um, But it's what we do. Uh, We have to figure out how to redirect. And that means changing a topic. Oh, let's go over there. Let's uh, whatever season, uh, look at the picture, look, let's go outside, look at the flowers, redirect into something that is more, you know, positive, that's happier, um, and change that behavior. You know, it's uh, trying to keep smooth, quiet, calm, you know, and take a lot of energy, probably on both parts, but, you know, redirect into something that will be calmer and that will modify that behavior. All right, is mother, let's hear what Rose has to say.
2: She was part of the family, you know, she'd fold towels and she'd fold towels all day long some days. Just, you know, put them back in the basket and then she'd give them to her, here's some more towels. And it, sound, it may look, sound like it's cruel, but look, it kept her busy. It kept her movements going, it kept her, you know, just kept her occupied and it, kept, and it made her feel um, wanted and that she was contributing. We created a routine for her that worked for her around her agitation and, you know, her sleep patterns. So every day she was in the same routine for the most part and every day she did something. She was always in the kitchen every day helping do something. Sometimes she'd rinse dishes. But she was always near the kitchen sink because she spent most of her life in front of the kitchen sink. Now she was just doing it in different ways. And um, yeah, going for a walk, going out in the car for a drive, uh, walking around the yard, you know, um, watering plants. Those are all things that she did, and we just had her continue doing
0: them. Okay, and so you hear schedule, right? same things that they used to do, that they like to do. It's a routine, it's a schedule. And it's so important. And in this case, uh, Rose's mother did a real good job, um, Rose did, about having a schedule and the schedule was safe. They didn't have to worry about, you know, an injury things that were done all the time. And that's what we have to do. That's, you know, the schedule part. And it does help you too, you know? Otherwise, it's exhausting, you know, trying to figure out, oh, now what are we going to do? And, you know, a schedule of what they like to do, what they always did is fantastic. Let's uh, talk about this reassess and plan for the next time. So let's go back and, you know, remember, detect and connect. So where, where are the detectives looking for the clues? Join the person's reality. It's not about June in 2021. It's about wherever it is their their mind, their memory has taken them. And that's why we say join their reality all right. So, what went well in this in this uh, you know uh, redirection, and what didn't work? You know, t- evaluate that. You know, it'll be all different next time. But for now, what went well and what didn't? And okay, well, what kind of adjustment are we gonna make? And how, I used to call it Plan A, B, whatever because it worked this time, but what if it doesn't work next time? Now, what am I gonna do? And you know, that's how we can assess and reassess and have that plan ABC. We can apply these things to any behavior, this detect, this connect, um, address physical needs, uh, emotional needs, And of course, always reassess. Let's talk about one type of behavior, that's anxiety or agitation. And what we're gonna kind of talk about when we are discussing these behaviors, we're gonna apply it to a, a, a real life scenario. So we're gonna call her Anne and she is a person with Alzheimer's disease, and she just paces, paces the house, mostly late afternoon and evening. And so she seems distressed and you know, maybe an over-reliance on people. So let's look further into uh, her agitation, her anxiety. All right, so remember our four steps, detect and connect. So what are we gonna detect and connect? Well, one thing is to know that she was a nurse and she was a nurse in the evening or overnight. And so what do nurses do for the, you know, late shifts. Well, they're always watching, you know, I got to be there, got to be there. Um, You know, we're kind of on the opposite of everybody else. And she gets very anxious because she still has that ingrained, I have to go to work, I have to go to work. And um, they looked at her, you know, how she was acting, even looked at her shoes, because she was walking so much around the house that she wore out her shoes, and therefore her feet started to hurt. So, you know, we kind of take all that in um, when we are trying to detect and connect. So, let's look at some physical needs. Well, let's go back to those feet again all right uh, if the shoes are worn um walking all the time has someone looked at her feet you know are there sores uh, is it bleeding is there an infection you know that's one part of physical is she in pain well, i don't know about you guys but i know when my feet are bothering me or my shoes are bothering me Oh, everything bothers me. You know, it starts with your feet, I think. And so take a look at pain besides the condition of her feet. The other thing is of course, um, you know, is she eating properly? Uh, when your schedule is opposite of everybody else, uh, sometimes that doesn't happen. And of course, sometimes um, we're not eating properly. They used to try to give her a sandwich while she was pacing during what would be an, a dinner time. And, you know, she'd take a few bites and that was it for that. So she wasn't eating properly either. I'll say it's really whoever it is that you're observing, you know, you have to kind of dig a little deeper. Why is she doing this, um, you know, and try and figure it out. Remember, we're, we're detectives emotional needs, you know, why is this, um, you know, what is upsetting her? Obviously, her mind thinks she has to go to work, and, um, you know, she doesn't. Um, How can we help her if that's so ingrained in her? Well, we could tell her, she's on vacation. You don't have to go. You're on vacation now, and... You know, hopefully that'll get her to calm down and realize she's not going to work without coming out and saying you're not working. Um, You're on vacation. You can relax and um, see if that worked. And if it did, fantastic. Uh, And of course, remember, well, that'll work so long. And let's see, you know, what else we can uh, also do to redirect her confusion or suspicion, and of course um, that could be anything, anything that you would think is, well, we've been doing this for the last 25 years, but not recognizing familiar people, places, or things, and accusing others of theft, infidelity, etc., um, and I'm, I'm, la- I'm smiling because I saw people do this all the time, you know. You stole my green scarf and you know, in the middle of summer. So it does happen routinely, you, you know, a wife to a husband or a husband to a wife. You are seeing somebody else. I know you are. That's why you're not doing whatever. Um, In their brains, in their head, it's not logical and it's never going to be logical. And, you know, you have to understand that. So, you know, let's figure out what are we going to do with this, uh, you know, this confusion about people, place and things. So what could we do? Well, physical, right? Here's our detect and connect. And, you know, let's take a look at physical needs. You know, what do we know about her? Um, you know, what did she do previously? Um, what, what lifetime experiences has she been through? Um, and see what you know about that. Um, yeah, we can, uh, you know, see if something specific triggered it. Um, and then try to look at the emotional need. She's upset. She thinks whatever she thinks. So how are we going to deal with that? All right. So they need to be reassured. That's one of the most important things um, is to assure them that, you know, it's not in their mind or, you know, that it's okay let me see how i can help you um i'll look for this why don't we go over here where there's a movie on your friends are here um and you know go at some point tell her you know uh, I looked, I found, I didn't find. They do, they do put things in places that people do um, in the strangest places. And, you know, sometimes if it's a lost item, you can find it. If they're in a facility, you can ask, uh, you know, the staff if they've seen such a thing. Um, I had an Aunt Mabel and... She could never find her money and was always going to the bank. Uh, When she um, went into a facility and we had to clean out uh, her apartment, and my husband, who was designated to do that, um, every day he'd call, because they were in Florida, you'll never guess what I found and where I found it. And that's what they, it's almost like squirreling away. They put things away so no one will take it. And then can't remember where they put it so someone must have taken it so we want to you know assess all those uh needs that they have the emotional needs reassure them you know it's really important that um you know they feel that they're being understood that you're not going to be critical and you believe them and you know reassure them and of course what are you going to do next time you know if uh, this doesn't work uh, we used to have uh, a couple of residents for a period of time and um, not all the time but there was a period of time where every night you know something was missing some of them were smart enough they called the police and the police would show up but you know This particular department, because we were in this town, were very well versed on uh, people with dementia and Alzheimer's and knew also, you know, how to deal with it. But, um, you know, it's in their mind. They had it. It's not here. Someone must have taken it. But uh, 95% of the time, that's not the case. Aggression. Aggressive behavior can be verbal. It can be physical. It could occur suddenly for uh, no apparent reason. And it just may follow a trigger that you are not aware of. And uh, this is a tough one because they, you know, aggression could be physical, they could pick something up to throw it at you. Um, You know,
1: uh,
0: physical, hitting, uh, it's a tough one to deal with, and I have dealt with it. And, you know, there's no easy way, except again, don't rush them. Don't, you know, like, especially sometimes it's more than one person, unless, there is a fear of immediate danger to them or themselves, um, I, you know, or somebody right nearby and um, back away, you know, little distance, talk softly. You know, I, would, I had a, a, a person, a client that uh, picked up a footstool to throw it at me. Everyone else in the room was like, oh, you know, and I'm like, you know, I know you're not going to throw that at me. I was like, "Open," but I, you know, I just stayed calm and waited until the little bit of agitation that he had seemed to be less and immediately tried to divert him. And, you know, I having known him, he was part of our daycare and knew him pretty well. And I'm like, hey, he loved Bonanza. Now I don't recommend putting anybody in front of a TV for any length of time, but in this case, it was the one thing that I knew would calm him down, and I said, "Come on," and we went in a in a different room, and he was very calm. In fact, I think he fell asleep after that. So, whatever he was getting aggressive because too many people around, saying too many things, and um, you know, you just stay calm and don't rush him or her. Um, you know, just be quiet. Just you know. Just take it easy. Uh, okay, I'm, you know, I'm with you here, and uh, it should be able to calm down that way. But it's a tough one because you're afraid you're gonna get hurt. Somebody else is gonna get hurt. They're gonna hurt themselves, and you know, dealing with it just takes you to not panic and not rush a person, and you know, keep your distance. You won't get hurt that way either. And in my heart of hearts, I was pretty sure he wasn't going to throw that footstool at me. Um, did a little praying maybe, but I, I was pretty sure he was not going to. He just needed to come down to realize I'm not an enemy and deal with it like that. All right. So we're going to call our, our pretend people again, Anne. And we'll call him Andy, and um, we want to detect and connect and you know look for the clues what set the person off. Um, it's probably something that you know normally you would not think of, but something did and whether it's other people, whether it's the commotion in the room or they wanted to do something and Somebody was arguing with them. There's just you know a, a zillion reasons why somebody becomes aggressive, and um, you know understand that. Look at the physical needs, and you know again that person could be hungry, and you know some people when they're hungry, you know blood sugar drops, and you know they get shaky and agitated, and you know things you probably wouldn't think of um, physically. Are they in pain? Are they tired? Um, you know all the different things that could happen. You want to you know take a moment and think about that. Uh, sometimes somebody's going to the bathroom a lot, and and let me tell you about that as a clue. Um, if you notice that a loved one is going or asking to go to the bathroom a lot more frequently. Or if they're you know, wearing some type of uh, uh, brief uh, pull up then, um, and it's wet a lot more often, um, think urine infection. Urine infection, it is amazing what it does to a person before they anybody even realizes that there's a urine infection. And you know if if there's all of a sudden a sudden change, think that too, and then add that to going to the bathroom frequently or more frequently, think urine and um see you know steps to take uh, to see if they have a urinary infection. All right, so addressing emotional needs, you know what's going on? do they need to be reassured? um you know obviously you know to be calmed down um you know look around uh, a lot of hubbub as i like to say um even in a daycare setting sometimes we have a lot of hubbub and um same thing with your if they're in a family setting and maybe kids are screaming or you know they hear outside and It's just things that you don't even think of that could set off a behavior um, and cause, you know, some type of emotional reaction. And of course, finally, reassess what we're going to do. If, you know, great, did it work? Or great, did it not work? Or what are we going to do next time? And, uh, you know, have that plan a as i like to call it and plan b and you know help uh deal with it next time uh for me bonanza was always uh because it was a frequent thing worked very well but you know take a look and see you know what you can change how you can assure them and you know prevent a next time Let's talk about
2: Rose's mother. On the tough days, my husband and I would switch off. uh, And my mom had forgotten all her English and had gone back to speaking only Greek. So she just spoke Greek, and my husband doesn't speak Greek, so it was perfect. So when she was agitated and she was cussing and... Yelling and saying all kinds of obnoxious things. My husband couldn't understand, so to him it didn't matter. So when she was in that mode, we'd switch off, and you know he'd take her for a drive. She'd stare out the window, eat fries, and she'd be fine. And they would give me a break to really decompress from some of the stuff she was saying. That I know she was just saying under words, but you know I'm a human being as well, and I was taking them personally.
0: And I understand that. Um, Certainly, um, you know, having the person who is caring for a a loved one, you really do need um, to... uh, know, have someone to help you, you know, husband, You know, grown children, neighbors, friends, you need a break too. And you need to remember that it's okay to ask for help um, and get that emotional break because it does wear you down. Um, Yes. uh, One of the questions was, is it normal uh, to use to um, go back to their, you know, first language? And yes, it is is because that's way back you know and that is Im- embedded in their brain um, and yes I have seen that uh, um, of course you know unless you're in a place where other people are definitely multilingual you don't understand we had a, a lady in our dedicated unit um, from Russia and she would talk and talk, you know, da, 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 but I had not a clue. I smiled, you know, and I would say, um, I'm just reading the uh, thing here, Jenny. You can tell us about that. Yes. Um, on and on. Now, I knew she knew English, and I would say to her, I don't understand speak English. Yeah, once in a while she did, once in a while she did it. But yes, it's very very common. And if you don't speak the language, you know, it's just one more thing that makes it um, a difficult situation. Um, but again, that's where you go through your normal routines, they know their routines, sit down for your meals, you know, dress, undress, uh, do your hygiene, you know, whatever they are still capable of doing, um, and they, that's what they're going to do, is go back to that uh, language when they were young. So, not easy. All right, so Aggression. Usually, aggressive behaviors associated to dementia are upsetting, but not dangerous. And let me, you know, emphasize the word. Usually, um, they are upsetting to everyone. Do know your people. Occasionally, it could be dangerous. And, you know, that's where, you know, We've had over, I mean, over my many years, um, we had people who knew where the knives were. And so we ended up having to hide the knives in the kitchen uh, because we were afraid that something would happen. Um, we had windows, you know, like everybody else, you have the, you know, the, the glass and the uh, screen. And um, we were, on a first floor, and we thought we had them locked pretty good, but it takes a clever person to look at, you know, the locks and the screws. <laughs> we ended up having to take some additional measures. Um, you know, you kind of always have your eyes going in the front and backs of your heads because. You don't know what's going to happen, you know, aggression pops up, you know, when normally it's not a person who's aggressive. Uh, So, you know, we just want to be aware and make sure that they don't hurt themselves or you or anybody else. Talk to the doctor. And I do want to emphasize that it's so important. Um, to maintain communication with the person or persons providing medical care. Um, You know, sometimes aggression is due to infections. Sometimes it's due to interactions of um, different medications or different uh, illnesses. And, you know, it's, something that normally, whatever normal is, um, might not happen, but in a person with dimensional timers, um, it could very well. So yes, just be aware, most of the time, like the guy with the stepula I was pretty darn certain he would not hurt me, but you know just I wanted to make sure no one else was hurt. And of course so you know, speak with that doctor. Have already you know a, an ongoing relationship and when necessary call 911 if something is imminent there are danger um, someone has been hurt call 911 you know and again you know you should always let the police and ambulance people in the town in which you are living know that you are living with a person or caring for a person with dementia or alzheimer's that they flag that they know When they hear, you know, that they need special care or, you know, the person themselves calls, which has happened to, you know, they, they are, they walk into a situation, you know, knowing what's going on instead of guns drawn. Repetition. Saying the same thing over and over and over and over. It can drive you crazy. We've had people like that. You um, first of all, you have to remember, they do not remember if they ask the question. And if they ask the question, they don't remember the answer. So it is an over and over thing again. Um, and it's definitely uh, can wear on your nerves. So what can we do about it? Well, I'll tell you some of the things we did that helped some people. Uh, if it was, um, we had a lady that. What time am I going home? What time am I going home? Or what time am I going out? Or what time am I eating? We ended up. We wrote out her 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 daily schedule, and I mean, it wasn't complicated. You know, the morning eat, fold, wash, whatever it is, was on the schedule. Um, and we would either give it to her or post it, depending upon your situation, or we use post-it notes in the bathroom. Don't forget to brush your teeth or just put brush teeth, brush hair, you know, whatever it is that they seem to have a hard time saying. Um, but the repetition of what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? When am I going? When am I coming? When is that person coming? Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's grating on your nerves, I will tell you. So, you know, try some other things. Uh, as long as sh- sh- this little lady, um, we always gave her a nice on pretty paper, her schedule of the day. Um, and she put it in her pocket. And then she would ask, and I would say, do you have your schedule? Oh, yeah, it's in my pocket and take it out, you know, so try to like retrain a little bit and help you. And, you know, in the end, they're going to repeat because they don't remember and they they don't remember the question. They don't remember the answer. Sometimes they just want to be reassured of something. You know, somebody's coming. Yes, somebody is coming. Um, What time? You know, just, it's four o'clock. Don't argue with them. Don't say, I already told you. That's the wrong things to say. Just answer it as if this was the first time and try to redirect them. You know, somebody's really, you know, doing things with their hands, helping in the kitchen, doing a puzzle, uh, depending upon what their ability is. If they're busy with their hands, they're not thinking about what time, what time, what time, or what are we eating, eating, eating. And so, you know, you do try to redirect them so they're concentrating on other things. Let's hear from Dr. Fazio. He is our Director of Special Projects for the National Office of the All-Time Association.
3: Repetition is really one of the most common and also um, frustrating uh, behaviors for caregivers. It's important to really just um, take a minute, take a breath, and really think about how you could help that person with the answer that they're looking for. Um, it really makes no sense to sort of bump heads with them and try to correct them or try to tell them to stop asking it because they really can't remember that they just asked you that a minute ago. So thinking about how you could provide an answer that's reassuring, even though you might be doing it over and over and over again.
0: So true. Um, I'll answer that last chat in a few minutes. So, Let's keep a person's situation. What is going on? What is? What are they obsessing about, really? Um, it, you know, does it have to do with going out, coming in, somebody coming, somebody calling? What are we eating? What are we doing? Um, you know, this is what you want to look at. Is there something we can do that will Um, help, like the little pieces of paper or the post-it notes or, you know, whatever the situation is, Um, you know, what can we do that will, you know, help that? Um, Always look at physical needs, you know, what is the, you know, you know, what do you know about that person? Um, Emotionally, is there something that upset them? You know, is they, are they waiting for something that's not going to happen? Are they thinking about something uh, from their past? You know, uh, as a loved one, you probably know them better than most of us. And, you know, what's going on? What, what's really going on with them? And, you know, try to redirect them and reassess if it worked have plan a and b and whatever else i used to say oh i have to go up to z now you know (laughs) but have a plan it's really as simple as it could be you know redirect them come help me do this and um you know repetition is what it is it you know it's something they do because they don't remember all right oh Okay, wandering statistics say 60% of people with dementia will wander and it can happen at any stage without warning. And, you know, wandering is when, you know, they, they leave their home uh, or area that they're in and for whatever reasons going on they're going home. It's a big common one. I'm going home and they leave. I'm going to the corner. I'm going to work. Um, Lots of reasons that people in their minds think they have to go from where they are to someplace else. And this is, you know, this is a scary stage. And so what can we do? What can we figure out? Uh, And I, I, have a few suggestions I want to talk to people about, all of you anyway. So let's look at our our steps. Detect and connect. All right. First, we're going to hear from Beverly about her husband, Amos. Beverly?
3: Later in... uh in this journey, and I call it a journey, um, he decided that he was going home to his wife. And one New Year's Eve, he looked out the window and there was a house down the street that had all the lights on and he decided that that was his house. And it must have been, I'd say at least two below zero. And he was going to leave. I had a double lock on the door, but I had left the key in, and he decided he was leaving. And I said, well, Amos, I'm your wife. No, you're not, my wife is waiting for me. And he would laugh when I said that I was his wife. So he got up and I said, Amos, I'm going to call the police if you walk out the door. And Amos, in his usual manner, said, you do what you have to do. And he walked out the door. Well, he walked out in his house shoes, two blocks down the street, and I got in the car and drove around. It just so happened that it was a neighbor's mother, and she knew what was happening, and she talked to him, and we got him back in the car and drove him home.
0: right. And a couple of things there. Uh, They want to go someplace for reasons that were way... Either in the past, or in, in, in this case, she was his wife, but in his mind, he's thinking of somebody, I guess. Um, and, you know, she, she did good. She did the right thing. One thing she did, and I want to make sure I emphasize this, is she spoke with her neighbors. Now, your neighbors don't have to be your friends. You know, I have three neighbors, I you know, very nice people, but, you know, I wouldn't say that we, you know, get together every day or whatever. Um, let the neighbors know of your situation. And if you, you know, say to them, if you see him or her um, outside by himself or herself, uh, please call, because that would not be a normal uh, thing for them. And so trying to let whatever neighbors you can, you know, be aware of, you know, what is going on with your loved one. The other thing um, really important to do, and I did touch on it before, is to talk to your police department and talk to your local ambulances in your specific towns. Now, some towns do have programs, um, but when you talk to them and you tell them the situation and, you know, as I said before, if they have to come to your house, they, you know, they're not gonna come with, you know, their guns out and ready to shoot. They will understand that in this house is a person that has Alzheimer's and dementia. And it's a different kind of situation. I actually trained um, first responders um, a, a number of years ago on, you know, what to do, um, how to approach them, you know, how to make sure they can't punch you. Um, and you know, as much as they first, you know, had a few comments. Because I'm tiny, which you can't see here. <laughs> um, they, um, I got them involved, and they really, um, they really got it at the end. So talk to people, and you know, especially them. They'll mark it down, you know, where they keep streets and whatever that. Uh, This is your situation, and they'll come better prepared to be able to deal with it. Um, You know, wandering does happen, and uh, one of the things—and actually, someone who had a loved one with uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, told me about it—is if you put a dark mat outside the door. You know, you have it. They you know, to brush your shoes off before you come in the house. Um, For a person with dementia and Alzheimer's, it looks like a hole. You know, they don't see it as a mat on cement or a porch or whatever. It looks like a big hole and they're afraid to step on it because they don't want to fall in a hole. And so that, that was a practical solution. Um, You know, trying to make sure as a, our last video segment said uh, that you have locks in places where hopefully they can't um, see it or f- or find it. Um, and, you know, you've done everything you can at that point and um, a person will wander and hopefully uh, you know, everything will be fine, you know, put bells on the door. You um, so you can hear a door open. That's another suggestion. Uh, so, You know, look at their physical needs. Definitely address their emotional needs. What is the reason they think they need to leave and go someplace else? You know, see if what you're doing is working. Great if it's working. And what do you you know, what's another plan in case things change? All right. Now. We have a, um, and I'm sure in your previous educational presentations, we've talked about um, all the different resources that we have out there. Um, As I wrote first in the chat about having your 800 number right by a phone, right by every phone. These are the people to call at three o'clock in the morning if you can't sleep. And someone... um, you know, whatever's bothering you, you call the number, someone will answer. And they will talk with you. Uh, they will make suggestions. They will help you find the right resources in your community to help you. You can also go online, ALZ.org, and just go through all the wonderful um resources that are listed. You could spend a really long time between um, all the resources and all the articles that are posted and in the library. Uh, It's a wonderful, wonderful resource. Uh, ALZ.org, you can find the Alzheimer's Navigator, which helps you make a personal action plan you know, what do you need? What resources do you need? And it, it will help you do that. Uh, Caregiver center, certainly any of you that are caring for a loved one, um, this might be a good um, good spot for you to check out because we just encounter so many different things Um, that you just don't even think of. Safety center will give you suggestions just like um, I gave you before. Things to do in the house to make it safe out of the house. Your helpline, as I said, if you're looking for a support group, uh, you've got a great resource here for seeing all these educational programs and what else is out there and available. And of course we do provide training. So, it's real important you become familiar with this um, website, ALZ.org, and know what the helpline is. We love if everyone could get involved in some way. Right now, um, we are in our uh, pretty much the uh, towards the end of our longest day. That is uh, one of our biggest activities in which we raise funds for research and education. And you know, some of you might have heard about the um, research that led to a new drug being announced last week. I think. also, the walk to end Alzheimer's again. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful event where people gather. Now, of course, the last year we couldn't gather like we did because little pandemic to deal with, but a lot of people did a walk right in their own neighborhoods. It's to raise, raise awareness again. Uh, Raise funds um, to promote that research and that advocate uh, uh, education. Be an advocate. Uh, It's one of the things that I've started doing, and it's it's really um, you don't realize what goes on behind the scenes um, when we have our meetings usually there is some bill um, in front of Congress or the state and we send letters or phone calls to them uh, saying, you know, please, you know, uh, approve whatever it is. Um, We did it a week or two ago and uh, I got a letter from the governor. I said, whew, that was quick. So, you know, it's not so much The names of the people that sent this, but the volume, how many people um, are out there advocating for people with Alzheimer's and dementia. Now, trial match is a very interesting part of uh, the Alzheimer's uh, uh, website. And, you know, I used to think that trial, when I heard the word trials, it was different medications that you took some some were real some were fake but our trial match is more initially anyway um questions you you know want to help and you go online and you find trial match and they decide if your you know background history would be of service it's questions so for example um the heart do you have high blood pressure do you have high cholesterol do you have heart disease because there is a correlation between the heart and the brain and so you know putting together and hearing statistics show this is partly where they get statistics from um, sure down the line if you are a person with dementia and alzheimer's and there is um clinical trials going on you know and that's what happened before this uh, new drug was announced then fantastic um but you can try it, just answer certain questions. Again, it makes correlations that are used for research. Sandra's mother. Hey, Sandra.
1: Everyone's situation, I'm sure, is different. You know, my mom was a, a shaker and a mover. She would do whatever needed to be done. She loved to cook. She can't cook anymore. You know, she loved to keep her house clean. She can't do that anymore. Um, and it's tough, I don't, I don't have all the answers. When she's sitting there and my dad's cooking, I don't always know what to do. I have to learn to be comfortable with that. And if I may say, that's a big part of this. Learning to be really comfortable with your own limitations. Learning to be comfortable with the fact that you don't know the answer. Learning to be comfortable with, you're in a situation and you think you need to give her something but you don't know what it is. You're taking her around the flowers and she's not responding. You're taking her for a walk and she's really not there with you. I don't always know what to do, but I but I try. All right, now, as you can see, Sanja's mother is in the late stage of
0: Alzheimer's. And late stage, you know, very different than the first and middle stage. This is when they really are losing, you know, all their abilities, their activities of daily living, um, you know, to react. Uh, the last stage is, is a tough thing for you to live through. But, you know, it's, as she said, the big thing is you being comfortable in what you are and cannot do. It's not anything is nothing that's your fault. It's the situation and the fact that you are there and just present, you know, you don't realize it is so important and you're not going to be able to, you know, to do much in this stage, except be present, hold hands, talk to them, read to them. Um, And that's great. And, you know, coming to grips with that, that's, you know, that's important, I think. The last question from Ginny, uh, was it, because I think I covered all the others, is it common for them to talk Less, because when she talks, it takes her breath away. I hear her inhale deeply or stop or try to catch her breath. Well, I guess a couple of things have come to my mind. What stage is she in? Um, And does she have any respiratory uh, ailments, diseases? Those are the two things that I would need to know ahead of time. It is just possible she's lost that ability. When you talk, you know, we all figure out at some point, you have to take a breath. Um, And, you know, that's part of what we learn when we're young, you know, some, depending on the stage, there is such a thing as, you know, speech therapy, which can teach you how to talk and breathe. But I would need to know, um, you know, or you would need to know, you know, what stage, and you know, is there any other physical reasons um, that we're not aware of? Okay, any other? How do you identify what stage they're in? Well, you know, it's not so much we identify it, uh, but I'm going to make it simple. In the first stage, people are pretty much operating um, okay. You know, they can do their own activities of daily living, which means washing, bathing, brushing teeth, brushing hair, getting dressed. You know, all of those things we do naturally are done in the first stage. In the last stage is when they can't do any of those activities. Um, and that's, you know, most of the time they end up just lying in bed and um, unable to eat you know, eat and do all those other normal activities. So in between, which does tend to be the longest stage, is when they start not being able to do some things. They need encouragement. They need um, tips. Don't forget too; those where your little stickies could come into. Um, They are kind of shying away from being with groups of people because they know they can't follow Um, the conversation so you start to see changes they still are you know up and moving around and you know trying to be a part of what's going on but you see them becoming more reluctant um, you know maybe not eating what they used to eat and you know it's a long stage usually so you know they're in that for quite a bit okay I hope that um that helps there
1: so i'm just going to say thank you to debbie and thank you to nicolette wonderful presentation and and so helpful so i thank you all and i thank everybody that
0: came i do want to let everybody know we're going to be planning on offering some more alzheimer's programs in the fall so um you can be watching for that